In this week's edition of Farmers Inside Track, we're catching up with award-winning farmer and CEO of Green Terrace in Johannesburg, Bali Nwoko. In our entrepreneurship slot, Karida Tinsolo, co-founder of the Kula app, connecting smallholder farmers to markets in Mzanzi, shares his top business tips. We are inspired by young farmer Karabo Rampete, who refused to sit back and watch her health deteriorate after being diagnosed with a liver disease. Today, she runs a farm in Rustenburg, Gauteng, growing the indigenous vegetables that she believes saved her life. And this week, we're reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. The book tells the story of a boy with two fathers, one rich, one poor to help the reader develop the mindset and financial knowledge to build a life of wealth and freedom. You definitely don't want to miss our weekly AMT Fresh Produce Outlook on the Market with agricultural economist Dr. Johnny van der Merwe. He will highlight the latest price movements and expectations for the coming week. This is Farmers Inside Track, supported by Food for Mzansi. Inspiration for your business and life. From South Africa's farmers and agripreneurs. Hey South Africa, welcome to episode 34 of Food for Mzanzi's weekly podcast called Farmers Inside Track. My name is Dawn Numdu, I am the editor of South Africa's leading agricultural news and lifestyle publication. And joining me from her lockdown location is journalist Nolutando Nakani. Hey Dawn. I still can't believe we've made it past the 100-day lockdown mark. I'm so excited to be joining you on the country's leading agricultural podcast. Listen, we've got another great lineup today. I still can't believe it either, Lulu. And yes, I'm super excited about today's lineup. But first up, Food for Mzanzi journalist Duncan Masiwa is catching up with award-winning farmer and CEO of Green Terrace in Johannesburg, Mbali Noko. Today I'm excited to be chatting with Umbali Nyoko. She is one of the leading women in SA agriculture at the moment. And she was literally one of the first farmers, in fact, that I was introduced to when I started out in the industry. And Umbali, you've been quite on a journey in the agri-space, in the industry, since you started close to five years ago. But how did you go from being a BCom industrial psychology graduate to being a farmer today? Thank you, Duncan, for the question. Indeed, I completed my degree in BCom Industrial Psychology as I really wanted to pursue a career along those lines. However, you know, with the job opportunities that were presented to me at the time, I couldn't transition as a, a trainee, having completed my BCom Industrial Psychology. And so I found myself working in the recruitment industry as a talent acquisition specialist, worked in corporate for about two years. And then I moved on to starting my own recruitment company, which I successfully ran with a business partner of mine for just under four years. And from there, I had met a farmer at that time who then told me about his business, why he got into agriculture. And I found the whole industry quite intriguing. I'm a born and bred city girl. So that concept of farming was very new to me. So what I then did after that conversation was go and research the industry as a whole, farming in South Africa, the agricultural industry in South Africa, as well as in the African continent and across the globe. And I identified certain opportunities as well. In that same breath, looked at the current challenges that farmers are facing. But 
for me, I just found that this is something that I really wanted to pursue. And that's how I transitioned to being a farmer. I registered Green Terrace in 2016 and started planting and it got me to where I am today. Mbali, you're the founder and CEO of Green Terrace, which is an agribusiness specializing in growing high-value vegetable crops. But I mean, you've grown so much since your last feature on Food for Mzanzi. Tell us a bit about the things that you've been getting up to or about any new business ventures. Indeed, my business is called Green Terrace. That's the name of the farm. And I am a full-time farmer. So when you say I've grown so much since I was featured on Food from Zanzi, I think I had those conversations with Food from Zanzi in, I think, the first year since I started farming. And how I can say I've grown so much from there is really just understanding the industry in a much deeper level. I am not so naive anymore in certain aspects about the industry and overcome a couple of challenges, which has made me appreciate farming even more. And so, yeah, I'm a full-time farmer. This is what I do from the minute I wake up till the minute I sleep. However, from there on, the farming landscape has brought in a number of opportunities for me not only writing as a monthly columnist for Farmers Weekly, I've started blogging or writing about farming and agriculture, things that I learn, answering a number of questions that individuals ask me. So I can say I'm an agri-blogger. I enjoy that part of what I do mostly. I really don't want to say I'm separating it from my farming activities, but it's just a way for me to communicate with other individuals, sort of to say mentoring other individuals from reading my articles and so forth, because I get a lot of inquiries where people would ask me, how do I do A or please help me with this? How do I mitigate this challenge or this risk? And I'm struggling with a certain thing on my farm. How do I, you know, navigate that? So because of those repetitive questions that I'll get from aspirant farmers or farmers that have just started into the industry, I've thought this is just my way of giving back and maybe just educating people through my experiences and just showing them that, you know, there's many ways to go about producing vegetables or growing livestock. And, you know, there's not one size fits all approach, but it's great to see that those type of blogs and articles that I write, not only on my personal website, but also on Farmers Weekly, really changes people's perspective and perceptions and narratives of farming and the idea of farming, making it seem as if it's sexy, but, you know, really putting it down to say that farming is a difficult profession to be in or being a farmer is quite difficult and it's not as easy as it may look. The pretty pictures that people may see, there's a lot that goes behind that. So I'm glad to have received those type of feedbacks and also people just saying, wow, thank you. An article that you've written on this topic, it has helped me because I didn't know how to overcome the challenge. So for me, yes, I've just grown and that, that, grow, that growth has really been attributed to my work as a farmer, what I do on the ground and really helping and changing people the best way I can. So my other business ventures, besides from the writing aspect, there's another business that I am a co-founder with, with a good friend of mine and where we do a lot of consulting from the agricultural industry. Other than that, I'm a keynote speaker, but I'd like to say that farming is my full-time job and Green Terrace at this moment is my main priority and that's just what I do. And I hope to really grow my business to levels that I could possibly just imagine and really achieve the goals that I've set out for myself and for my business and just pushing the Green Terrace brand to its highest level. So that's just my main priority and I'm happy to be doing this. 
Something that I find really inspiring in Bali is that you've always strongly advocated that people need to stop disregarding the roles that farmers play in Mzanzi. In fact, in a Food for Mzanzi article, you say South Africans must learn, you know, to protect the industry that feeds them. My question to you would be, have you seen any changes since you started farming and especially now during the COVID-19 crisis? When I made the comment of that, you know, people need to stop disregarding the role of farming or the role that farmers play in the South African economy was just to bring awareness to the industry. When people talk about farming, a lot of them talk about farming with minimal understanding of the challenges and opportunities or the value that farming plays in a number of industries in South Africa. So it was just really to bring awareness to the roles that farmers play. And I suppose now that we're living in COVID times, it's become quite evident of how many families and communities out there are quite vulnerable because they do not have food. And most importantly, access to basic and nutritious food. Families can't afford to buy fruit or vegetables. So I think from what COVID-19 has exposed that a lot of people are living in hunger, even though we might have known this before. However, COVID-19 has definitely brought that reality much closer. At the same breath, it's also shown the important role that farmers play in our economy because had farmers also stopped producing food during this time of lockdown, the whole, I suppose, our country would just completely would have starved and a lot of people would have have not lived to see level four or level three of lockdown. For me, it's just about individuals must protect the industry that feeds them because a lot of the things that we consume, even on the mainstream markets, start from a primary agricultural level. So for me, it was just to say, let's bring awareness to the role that agriculture plays in in the economy, not from a food production perspective, but from an employment creation perspective, from an ability to dignity to a number of, of communities that we serve, and also just to validate the role that farmers play. So therefore, we need a lot more support from an investment point of view, infrastructurally from a production cost point of view and also support from input suppliers from those across the value chain because a lot of the companies and industries are interlinked or connected with the agricultural industry so i hope that people see now the value that farmers play because not only do we produce food, which being um, that being vegetable crops or livestock. We also produce things like grain and cotton, which become the clothing, leather, textile industries. The agriculture industry just supports a number of other industries. So it was just to really bring awareness to that. You know, you mentioned earlier that farming is more than just the pretty pictures that people see on your social media platforms. I mean, anybody who checks out your Instagram will agree with me that it is literally next level. And I want you to tell us about your decision, you know, to embrace uh, social media as a medium to promote and market your business. And, you know, also what it has done for you and your career. Thank you for noticing my social media, Duncan. However, You know, just to comment on the Instagram aspect is I don't think it's any different to what everybody else is doing. Really, the pictures that I post is just trying to share a day in the life of Mbali, being a farmer, being an entrepreneur, the challenges and opportunities that that come my way the hardships that I face, even just as a business person. So there's really no strategic intent behind that. What I post on Instagram is what you see is what you get. I use that as a tool as well, maybe to market, just to 
bring awareness to the blogs that I write because it's about helping people, really. It's about sharing my story and the challenges that I've overcome because the method that I might have used might help another farmer. It's just really about sharing and educating each other and supporting each other as farmers, as aspirant farmers, and also teaching the individuals that want to go into farming about the industry and things that you might encounter. Not all of it has to be bad, but, you know, there's a lot of positives and good with it. So, yeah, my Instagram page, I don't think it's any different to anyone else's. It's just really posting about a day in the life of Mbali. And this is me. What you see is what you get. And this is what I do. And this is my trade. This is my profession. And I take my job very seriously. From a green terrace element of it, I don't try to actively market or promote green terrace on social media, simply because I found that I currently have so much demand for my produce, I cannot keep up. So... I'll be a fool if I try to promote so much of Green Terrace and thinking that I can service all these customers, whereas I can't really. But for, again, on the Green Terrace aspect is to say, this is what we do on our farm on a daily basis. These are the challenges that we face. So we'll post pictures such as our crops being hit by frost, or this is how farm looks like after heavy rains, or this is a challenge that we're facing with maybe guinea fowls eating our seeds, whatever the case is. So it's just also posting about this is life on Green Terrace Farm and this is how we produce our produce and this is who we sell to or this is how we grow our, our business or our crops. And yeah, it's just to really share as well what we do on farm on a daily basis. Then, of course, in 2018, you won the Agricultural Writers' Essay New Entrant into Commercial Farming of the Year Award in Gauteng and also voted Top 100 Women Changing South Africa by the Mail and Guardian. As a farmer in Bali, what does these awards mean to you and did they open any doors for you? For me, Duncan, winning all these awards is just to validate to myself that I've come very far. As much as I feel like I haven't really reached my highest potential, I shouldn't disregard the journey that I've walked. Most importantly for me, winning certain awards and being recognized in a number of categories where typically a farmer wouldn't be seen as important in that space for me just validates and really brings awareness that, you know, farming or agriculture plays a major role in our economy. And that as much as I am a farmer, I also employ people, I run a business, which happens to be a farm that also makes an impact in a number of communities. And that is no different to an accounting firm or a law firm or any business. It could be in the finance sector. So I think it's just to put farming that same level that being a farmer is also a profession. We also employ people. We also contribute to the society and a greater picture to an economy. We produce food. That's how we make our income or we grow livestock. That's how we make an income, whatever the case might be. But for me, just winning these accolades and especially being recognized and seen in categories or being nominated in categories where typically a farmer wouldn't be seen, for me, it just, just humbles me and appreciative of the recognition that I've been given and just makes me really want to work harder, not only to prove to other people, but most importantly for myself, because I am my worst critic, but just to prove to myself that, you know, I must even celebrate the small milestones that I achieve, even though I'm not where I want to be in yet. But the fact that every single day when I wake up and I'm doing something, as long as I'm giving it my all, I should just be happy and grateful for that. So I think all these accolades and nominations, for me, it's been a blessing. I am forever grateful and I'm happy that it's just, a, it serves as a constant reminder that, you know, I've worked hard, give yourself a pat on the back and you've got so much more going for you. And I just need to take that 
own it and believe it and just do the best that I can every single day. Mbale, I'm sure that you'd agree with me that in farming there are tough lessons to be learned. And I'd like for you to share some of those stories that you have, you know, some of the toughest lessons that you've learned in your journey and what new farmers should really look out for. So it's funny that you asked me about what are the toughest lessons that I've learned in my farming journey because I recently wrote a blog about this and I think the top three that come in mind and, you know, echoing what I wrote in my blog was that it's okay to start over. Sometimes things go wrong at the farm when you're producing and it's just okay to become content with the decision that, okay, this might not be working, therefore let me start over and try a different approach. And that personally for me, I hold myself to very high standards. So to let that sink in and to be content with that, with the fact that it's okay to try a different approach has taken a bit of some time for me, but now I'm at a place where something just doesn't work abort practice or whatever the case might be and just try a different approach because it's all about trial and error. Other things that I've learned is I'm not in control and the weather, I suppose climate change can is a great teacher to that phrase that you, you really, you're not in control of anything. So as much as you could try your best in everything that you do, at the end of the day, there's so many other elements that contribute to the success of you producing a good crop and therefore you're not always in control although there may be some elements that you can have some level of control but at the end of the day you as a farmer need to do the best that you could do and let nature take care of the rest for me again i think my personal experience and journey in agriculture has really i suppose challenged certain notions that people had about farming when i was starting out in 2016 i would hear people say yeah this industry is not very supportive farmers don't support each other and you're going to find it quite tough being a woman farmer, being a person of color, being young in the farming space because more established and very successful farmers don't have time to train and mentor other farmers or upcoming farmers. So for me, how my journey has played out is really negated those perceptions. And I've received such immense support from a number of farmers at different levels in their businesses. I think for me, the journey and my experience in farming and what farming has taught me about life is that really, as people, we are social beings. We shouldn't operate alone. We shouldn't operate in isolation. We should seek help when we need help from others. And we're all a community at the end of the day, trying to do the best that we can, serve our families or provide for our families and really help communities and really employ people, bring bring value and meaning to life in everything that we do. I think the journey for me in farming has just been wonderful, even though I've had some tough days and difficult moments in my career as a farmer. But at the end of the day, you know, it's just really about we are a community of farmers and we should help and support each other. We should also embrace the tough times because it's the tough times and those challenges that really make us who we are at the end of the day and really builds certain character and resilience and just grow and learn as individual beings. Thanks for joining us, Mbali Noko. Hearing your story is truly inspiring. Stay tuned. Next up, Caridas Tsinzolo, co-founder of the Kula app, connecting smallholder farmers to markets in Mzanzi, shares his top business tips. Wow, Mom, why did you put on this chicken? Well, I was trying a new recipe using grain-filled chickens. Oh, Mom, this is amazing. You can't go wrong with 100% South African farm-quality chicken. With a range of fresh, frozen and marinated products, make grain-filled chickens your number one choice. Grain-filled chickens from the farms of the Free State. Need we say more? If you want quality, ask for grain-filled chickens at a leading store. Grain-filled chickens bring home the taste. 
visit grainfieldchickens.co.za. Hi, Caritas. Thanks so much for joining us on Farmers Inside Track. I must say, farmers across Mzanzi are raving about the Kula app that's revolutionizing smallholder farming. Where did the idea for Kula come from and how does it work? So the idea for Kula was really prompted by a trip to Israel that my business partner took. When he came back, he couldn't stop raving about the agricultural innovation that he had seen, where you have this little country that's on a desert but has so much agricultural output, even more than most African countries. And that really prompted us to start asking questions about agriculture in an African context in terms of what was the state of agriculture. And going in, we thought that the fact that we came from a finance background would almost be a disadvantage, but it turned out to be our biggest advantage because the things that people in the industry found to be normal, we found to actually be appalling. The fact that Africa has about 60% of the world's arable land, yet we're importing about $40 billion worth of food into the continent really didn't make sense for us. And if you look at it at a more emerging farmer level in a a South African context, just how difficult it is for an emerging farmer to sell their product consistently, and not just emerging farmers, also even for commercial farmers, um, to find consistency um, in the market, but also to be able to have choice within the market and have full transparency. And that's sort of what prompted the idea for Kula, which was when we started really about connecting farmers with buyers, but over time we've realized that there's a huge gap even with farmers being able to to purchase inputs, everything from crop protection, crop nutrition, seeds, and all those kind of sort of products. What are some of the challenges new farmers and smallholder farmers face to adopt new technology into their business practice? Do you have any advice for them? We've actually found that farmers are quite receptive to new technology, um, contrary to popular belief. And I think in our case, with having an app, we've found that with the much older crop of farmers, WhatsApp did a lot of the, the heavy mileage for us. I think WhatsApp has, is quite widely adopted by even older people. And I think it sort of did the heavy mileage for us where they know what an app is, where they know what the app store is to download, to update, and all that kind of stuff. For us, we really almost landed um, on a softer level at the market because of of the mileage that WhatsApp sort of put in for us. But at a broader level, I think farmers are receptive to sort of any solutions that are coming in to, to, to sort of move them forward. And I think even as a general advice to, to farmers across the board, um, I think farmers must continue to challenge the status quo, to challenge some of the assumptions that have been put forth as being normal. And they must continue to be receptive to new technology that aims to sort of increase their yield, that aims to sort of increase their access to market, and not just for cooler, but any new technology. And I think if we continue to do that, we will be in a better position to, to position South Africa and even to position Africa as a whole well to sort of be the breadbasket of the world because we have such a, a massive um, competitive, competitive advantage that we, we need to harness. What are some of the biggest lessons you learned about business? Share your top three business tips with us. My biggest advice about business is, is quite simple. I think first and foremost, you have to be solving a big problem. I think business is hard either way, whether you have an innovative business or not an innovative business, whether it's scalable or not scalable. 
but you want to make sure that you you're going through the hardships for something meaningful or something real. So I'd say number one, you have to make sure that you're solving a really big problem and you're solving a necessary pain point. I think um, in the African continent as a whole, there are so many major problems, which in effect are actually major opportunities that we don't need another app that doesn't solve a big problem or a business that doesn't solve a big problem. So my first thing would be make sure that you're solving a really big problem and that you can solve it in a scalable way. And then secondly, I would say when it comes to business, the key is to not give up. I think you'd find that the business that you start with is often not the business that you end up with. So it's about that continuous, persistent and not giving up and just keep on going, which now leads me to my third advice, which would be be open to pivoting. You know, business is about being proved wrong. It's about having an assumption, putting it out in the market, then the market telling you whether your assumptions are true or not true. And when the market says your assumptions are not true, you need to be quick to sort of, yeah, you need to be quick to pivot. So first and foremost, ensure that you're solving a big problem that can be solved at scale because business is hard anyway. So you want to make sure you're working on something that's scalable. Secondly, do not give up. Just keep on going, even if things are looking bleak. Thirdly, as you keep on going, ensure that you keep pivoting and that you're always responding to what the market needs. Ultimately, the business is not for yourself. You're building it for other people to use and you need to respond to what they need. My last question, Caridas, is what is your end goal for the Kula app? And has the game changed for you now that we are dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic? The end goal for Kula, to put it simply, we want to see a fair market. I think we want to be, more than anything, we are an enabler. Um, we basically a connector, connecting the farmer to the buyer, connecting the farmer to the input supplier, connecting the farmer to the funder. But essentially, if you had to sum all of that up, in sort of a phrase, it's to see a fair market. Our view is that the market as it is, is really not fair. It's more fair to others and less fair to others. And I think for us, in the end goal, um, not just even in the African continent, but even beyond the continent, we want to see a fair market, a transparent market, a market that has sustainable solutions, that puts farmers and buyers in a position where they are able to build sustainable businesses. And I think that's one very sort of broad way to sum up what our end goal would be. And I think in terms of how COVID has affected us, I mean, you can imagine being in agriculture, we were operating even at level five because of the service that we offer is an essential service. I think for us, it, it has been largely positive, I think for us as a business, because it sort of brought to the fore the need for our solution, especially when you had the restaurant market sort of shutting down. And we had quite a number of farmers reaching out to us saying, look, I used to supply exclusively to this particular restaurant, and now I need to find an alternative market. And we found ourselves sort of redirecting some of the restaurant supply into some of our supermarket clients. From that perspective, from a demand perspective, it's been relatively positive. And I think it's been positive and sort of reinforcing the need for a solution like ours in the market, but also reinforcing our value to our pilot farmers in them seeing the value of a system like this. But more than anything, I think to the broader population, it's really made everyone a lot more aware of just how 
how important farmers are and just how important agriculture is as a whole. And I think from that regard, it has been quite positive. And then the other side of it is that it has been harsher on your smaller emerging farmers than it has been on some of the more commercial guys. So there are some farmers who have lost some of their clientele. Even beyond that, the, the weather patterns, you've had a lot of frost which has affected some of our farmers and sort of adding salt to the to the COVID wound. But I think overall, in terms of general awareness of the industry and our role in the industry, it has been relatively positive. Thanks for joining us, Karira Sensolo. One of the trending stories on Food for Mzanzi is about Karabo Rampete, who refused to sit back and watch her health deteriorate after being diagnosed with a liver disease. Today, she runs a farm in Rustenburg, Northwest, growing the indigenous vegetables that she believes saved her life. She says being featured on Food for Mzanzi opened new doors for her in the agri-industry. Getting featured on Food for Mzanzi was an awesome, exciting, adventurous experience. An experience that was definitely a game-changer for my life. I never thought that one day I could get an opportunity to tell my story through a medium like Food for Mzanzi. A story that inspired, a story that broke the internet, a story that definitely opened doors of opportunities and networks on my part. I shall forever be grateful for this opportunity that was granted to me by Mr. Duncan. I have no words to even thank him for shaping my story in such a way that it could be an inspiration to someone else's life. Thank you, Food from Zanzi. Thank you for supporting African farmers and sharing our stories and sharing our hustles. It is through you that we get an opportunity to shine and be who we want to be, aspiring commercial black farmers. Thanks for the inspiration, Karabo Rampete. We feel honored to have told your story. For more daily inspirational stories about the farmers and agriculturalists to go above and beyond to feed South Africa, Stay tuned to www.foodformzanzi.co.za or simply follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food for Mzanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story. Now for that promised book review, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. The book tells the story of a boy with two fathers, one rich, one poor, to help the reader develop the mindset and financial knowledge to build a life of wealth and freedom. Over to you, Food for Mzanzi co-founder, Ivor Price. Hey Mzanzi, so listen, reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad is an amazing investment of time. You get more returns than your investment the moment you start reading page after page of this book. For the beginners who desire to achieve economic prosperity, this writer offers workable insights based on real-life experiences. It teaches us ideas about applied economics that should have been taught to us in our schools and our homes growing up, you know. The principles of financial literacy, which are counting, investing, understanding markets and relevant laws, are explained in a way that even you and I, the layman, can fully relate to. 
The author emphasizes the importance of sound finances for a better meaningful life and he argues that whether you're an academic genius, the gold medalist, the farmer, whatever, there's every possibility of ending up as a failure without financial know-how. So this book will teach you the difference between assets, liabilities in a way never imagined. Highly recommended reading and I can fully understand why Food from Zansi's farmers have selected it as their book of the week. Thanks, Ivor. And from our book of the week to this week's AMT Fresh Produce on the Markets, here's Dr. Johnny van der Merwe, an agricultural economist at the Northwest University. This is your weekly AMT Fresh Produce Outlook on the Markets, made possible by Standard Bank. To stay up to date with the latest prices and news, subscribe to the AMT YouTube page and follow us on Facebook. But let's jump straight into the latest vegetable prices the past week. The potato price increased by 6% week on week to 40 rand 15 per 10 kilogram bag with good demands still expected to support this price this week. Lower expected volumes due to possible strikes can also assist in keeping these prices stable. The cold weather had a big impact on the tomato market last week and resulted in the price to increase by 20% week on week to 847 per kilogram. Volumes are still low for the time being, but the expectation is that volumes may increase substantially soon and that prices may come under additional pressure. Another cold front can postpone this slightly. The carrot price increased again by 5% last week to 4.11 per kilogram with prices that may stay around this level for the remainder of July. However, if we experience warmer weather, that may put additional pressure on these prices. The onion price increased by 4% to 4.93 per kilogram last week with prices most likely to remain in a downward trend as volumes may start to increase on the market very soon. Other vegetable prices traded as follows. Cabbages on 2 rand 86, garlic on 89 rand 89 per kilogram, spinach on 4 rand 23, Sweet potatoes also increasing to 3 rand 93 per kilogram with the latest paper price on 14 rand and 1 cent per kilogram. The higher demand spilled over to the fruit industry with prices also showing signs of improvement. However, there is uncertainty about the transport strike that may limit the supply to certain markets. These products must however be delivered to other markets which may result in certain markets to be more under pressure compared to others. The extent of the strike is however still uncertain and remains to be seen. We have seen that the banana price increased by 9% to 6 rand and 6 cents per kilogram last week while the latest apple and pear prices traded mostly sideways on 6 rand 50 and 6 rand 80 per kilogram respectively. As expected, the orange price increased by a healthy 11% week on week to 3 rand 54 per kilogram due to some extra demand. Nachis is currently in season with the latest price of 4.78 per kilogram and we're expecting volumes to increase over the coming weeks or so. The avocado price however decreased by 3% to 12.14 per kilogram last week on the back of increasing volumes. 
Other fruit prices traded as follows. Grapes on 76 Rand and 3 cents, peaches on 16 Rand 92, pineapples on 6 Rand 71, and the latest lemon price on 4 Rand 23 per kilogram. To stay up to date with the latest prices and news in the fresh produced markets of South Africa, subscribe to the AMT YouTube page and also follow us on Facebook. Also make sure to stay tuned to Food from Minzanzi for the latest in agriculture news. This broadcast is of course made possible by Standard Bank. Thanks Dr. Johnny van der Merwe who brought us this week's AMT Fresh Produce Outlook. For more information go to amtrends.co.za. Dawn, that's a wrap for this week then. Remember if you love this podcast, please, please share it with your friends, family members and fellow farmers. That brings us to the end of this week's podcast. Please stay safe out there and follow Food for Mzanzi's COVID-19 support page for the latest information from me, Don Numdu, and me, Duncan Masiwa, and the rest of the Food for Mzanzi team. Have a great week. Goodbye. You've been listening to the Farmer's Inside Track podcast, supported by Food for Mzanzi. For more information, find us on www.farmersinsidetrack.co.za.